Hey, how are you? Yeah, you. Don't worry, you're still listening to the MBA podcast, but David wanted me to introduce myself. I'm Casey Hot, and if you have any questions about voiceover, you can reach me at my website. It's CaseyHotVO.com. That's Casey with a K and Hot with two T's. And remember, the MBA application process is tough, but you can do this. Hang in there. Be gentle with yourself. Now, here's David. How much does an MBA cost and is it worth it? A lot and probably. Let's break this down a bit. The top tier schools cost a lot. Harvard, like most schools, runs a two-year program. Cost of attendance at Harvard per year in 2023 is $115,000. That's pretty standard for the top tier schools. Booth's yearly cost is $122,000. Wharton, who I believe is number one right now, is $125,000. Some quick definitions here. Cost of attendance is tuition plus plus fees, books, miscellaneous stuff like parking or library cards or whatever, and an estimated cost of living, which includes rent and food. My wife and I, Katie, found it more useful to just use our current pre-MBA living expenses and adjust our mortgage for rent in Chicago, which was actually rent in Chicago was actually more than our mortgage in Colorado. And I'll go into this more in a few minutes. The point is, the estimated cost on Booth's website for rent and food for one year is $26,000. I live in Chicago right now. That's a pretty low estimate. So, search up your school's yearly cost of attendance. Literally, just Google Michigan Ross MBA yearly cost of attendance, which results in, as of 2023, an out-of-state cost of attendance at $103,000 or in-state $98,000, only a $5,000 difference for some reason. So in some cost of attendance or tuition, what you're paying for the classes is only part of the picture. You'll have to use your budget pre-MBA plus your new living expenses. This takes a little while to figure out, of course, but it's absolutely worth it. It's also a good starting point. As a quick comparison though, let's look at CSU Colorado State University's MBA. Strangely, their website and information was a bit harder to use. It didn't have an at-a-glance cost like Harvard or Booth did. From what I can tell, cost of attendance at a full-time MBA with in-state tuition at CSU is a $65,000. $65,000. Considerably less. Let's do some comparisons then and talk about opportunity costs, and then we'll move on to is it worth it? And I'm going to round some of these numbers just for ease of use and speaking purposes. Keep in mind, all of these are full-time programs, and we will use in-state tuition for state schools. We'll also use cost of attendance for both years together. I'll also give you the school's current ranking, just because that does matter in MBA schools. And we're using the Poets and Quants aggregated uh, top 100 MBA schools. CSU, not in the top 100. Total cost is $130,000. Michigan Ross, 11th, $196,000. Harvard is 5th at $230,000. Booth is 2nd at $244,000. And Wharton is 1st at $250,000. And on that note, if you want to see why I often refer to Booth as number one other than pride, the index or the overall score assigned to these schools, which is always a has number one at 100. The number one school sets the bar for all others. Wharton, who is number one right now, has the 100 score. Booth's 
score is 99.9. Harvard, all the way down at lowly number five, has a score of 99. Trust me, when it comes to rankings and what they mean, the tip-top schools are, for better or worse, equally awesome. Still, though, it does feel number good to be number one when you're there. Opportunity cost is next. And all you econ majors out there, please forgive me for my bastardization of this concept. What I mean here, though, is the things that you give up to go to MBA school. Most of these things are non-quantifiable, like leaving friends and family and some sort of, sorry, some sort of eek into quantifiable areas like leaving the workforce and possibly losing out on a promotion that's always and elusively right around the proverbial corner. Quantifiable, though, is the opportunity cost of not working for those two years. If you make 50000 a year and you go full-time to an MBA school, most of which will require that you leave your job, you'll be missing out on two years at $50,000, which opportunity cost-wise puts you another 100000 in the hole. So Wharton now costs $350,000 opportunity cost-wise. And I misspoke there. Schools, typically to my knowledge, can't really require you to leave your full-time job. Most of them though, especially the higher tiered schools, I don't know of people that keep jobs. I think I've met maybe one person, um, one of my wife's friends that kept her job and it was really, really tough. Anyway, another way to look at this is how long will it take you to pay back your student loans, assuming you have to finance 100% of your MBA? Well, even if you figure that out, an economist would say you still haven't broken even because you haven't recouped the opportunity costs. These calculations are a little beyond the present scope of this episode and myself, but guess what? You'll learn how to do them in your sleep during business school. The super simple way I viewed it, and please don't take this as the only way to view it, is what what I'm going to explain next. Let's say we have somebody who has, and this is is a real number, a a, uh, a friend of mine, we're not going to disclose who, of course, but a friend of mine had these real numbers. And they had an opportunity cost of $360,000. So we know that this was a booth as well. We know that the booth MBA costs about $245,000. So the total cost for this person, let's say it's T again, to get an MBA would be $605,000. Let's just say $600,000. And yes, that number makes T queasy. But in this scenario, T would need to make enough money after Booth to live and avoid debt while also making up for $600,000 of opportunity opportunity cost. So what T did was he knew he could easily live on about $150,000 a year before going to an MBA school. After going to MBA school, instead of living at whatever his new job was going to pay, he just stayed at $150,000 a year of expenses. But, and this is a real number, a real job offer that was given to a boothie, T was now offered $300,000 a year. Now, that's a pretty easy calculation. If T has $600,000 to make up for, and he's living at $150,000 a year, but making $300,000 a year, he's putting $150,000 per year towards that total opportunity cost. That means he pays for his MBA in four years. That means year five, T is now making that sort of income with no debt. 
That's also assuming that T doesn't get promoted, doesn't move up or anything like that. And one thing we all know about top MBA grads is that they tend to get promoted. Now, this paints a particularly rosy picture, so I need to add a few counterpoints. Before doing so, let's talk about total compensation or what's called total comp. And you may very well know what this is, but for me, um, I, I really didn't understand total comp. For us military members, total compensation can be viewed as your base pay plus BAH, BAS, hazardous duty pay, anything else like that. So your base pay is your grade of E3 or O3 or what have you, and your total comp is the whole thing combined. Now, I've seen companies try and advertise total compensation with their share of your insurance premium included, and this is nonsense. That's money you'll never see, and that's not what total comp means. Be wary of any company that does that. For you non-military folks out there like teachers, imagine if, and how nice would this be, if you got a signing bonus of one year's salary, then you got a few shares of stock in some company for every year you stay teaching at the same school with the share count increasing as you spend more years there. This is total compensation as it's often seen in the business world. The takeaway here is that this is money you actually get, but it's not always in liquid month to month cash in your paycheck. To be a little bit more concrete, let's say that T's base salary now after MBA school is $160,000. His total comp though is almost double that at 300. Now, quick disclaimer, and this is common, the total comp is usually front-loaded with a large bonus the first year, then a large amount of stock sometimes four or five, six years later. So you can weirdly have a first year of $260,000 of income, then a few years at base pay at 160, then some massive $600,000 year if you immediately sell all your stock, which you obviously shouldn't. And also for you economists and mathematicians out there, this does make paying back the opportunity cost for T a little bit less straightforward than, you know, he paid it off in only four years. But the sentiment I'm trying to make here is that scary as these huge numbers are, they are doable. So now we know what total comp is. This number varies depending on what you read, but the average base salary immediately after graduating from a school like Booth is about $170,000. This is wildly skewed as of late because of COVID. Huge upswings in some sectors and some sectors completely falling out of the market and so on. But in general, 170K base salary with a signing bonus, again, variable depending on the source of 30,000. Stock options, second year bonuses and so on are too variable to really report. Now, for what it's worth, schools really have to be hesitant on what they can advertise is the return on investment for an MBA. They can't really guarantee you that you're going to be in T's shoes. It's not super uncommon, but hopefully you understand why they can't go around saying, oh, we'll promise you, you know, $300,000 a year on average after an MBA. Either way, though, now you have some real numbers, again, from an anonymous source, but someone that I promise you is an actual boothie. This is a real recent number. Uh, I'll do my best to to get any guests on the show to talk about real numbers, but that'll be at their discretion, of course. These numbers do hold true for the majority of the top tier schools, but let's start talking about are they actually worth it, these top tier schools or a school like CSU. So if we talk about less concrete things, like maybe name recognition. CSU is a great school, but saying that, hey, I'm a CSU MBA doesn't carry the same weight that saying I'm a Harvard, I'm a Harvard MBA does. 
but let's check that sentiment a bit. The disparity between a CSU and a Harvard, who's called HBS for Harvard Business School, is, of course, massive to non-business folk. This is partially due to an earned reputation, but in my opinion, it's mainly due to movies and idioms. Harvard is so ubiquitously known as the school that we sometimes use it as a joke where we'll say, well, you don't need to go to Harvard to know that. Harvard is also globally recognized. It helps that it's 387 years old. And CSU, probably, I don't know, maybe 100 years old, easily less than half as old as Harvard. And speaking of age, another example, how about Booth? Why have so few people heard of Booth? Well, technically, the Booth name is only 15 years old. It became Booth in 2008 when David Booth donated $300 million to the school. Before that, it was Chicago Graduate School of Business, like Stanford's GSB. This, this name recognition is no joke, but lots of things are, are blown out of proportion by media and marketing and so on. Don't get me wrong. The Harvard name carries weight in the business world a ton more than a CSU MBA, what, MBA would, but it doesn't make the CSU MBA worthless. So there is something to be said about paying for that name on your diploma, but does that account for the difference between, let's say, Harvard or let's go Wharton's quarter of a million dollars versus Colorado State's $130,000? And the answer is not completely. Here's the, in my opinion, the huge difference in why a Harvard or Wharton is worth what it's worth. And this is something I've actually seen in person where I worked and at Chicago Booth. So let's use Booth since I've actually seen it when visiting my wife there for lunch. Reps from McKinsey, a consulting firm started by Booth, actually come to that school to find employees. Technically, they're there looking for summer internships, but this internship is paid, it's well paid, and it usually leads to a job. Then a little bit more on this later. Takeaway here, though, is that while you still have to apply to a god-awful amount of jobs while at Booth or Harvard or any of the schools, a lot of those companies will be coming to you because you're now associated with those schools. This isn't true of the other schools. Most MBA schools don't have mandatory summer internships because they can't get internships for all their students. M7 schools can, and these internships often pay something like 10000 or more a month and often lead to full-time job offers. Think, think about that. My wife and most of her peers had job offers almost before they even started the second year of their MBA program. Moreover, if you come to a top-tier school, you'll start recruiting for summer internships, which, again, is usually a tryout for a future job the first few weeks of school. You haven't even completed a single MBA class yet, and you're already interviewing for jobs. That's the top-tier difference, and that's what often makes the cost, including opportunity cost, worth it. So does that mean CSU at $120,000 isn't worth it? As you're gathering, I can't really give a categorical yes or no. The basic cost of higher education is gross nowadays. So I guess I'd have to say that if you have a clear-cut reason for getting an MBA that provides the potential to pay off that $120,000, then yes, it's likely worth it. Still, though, I probably wouldn't encourage you to go to CSU if you don't have some sort of funding or scholarship or anything like that. Being that it's not ranked at all isn't a death sentence but it does make it difficult to justify a six-figure price tag, especially if you add the opportunity cost to that. Speaking of opportunity costs, though, that's where you can save a lot of money by going to a school like CSU. 
If you live in Colorado or any of the neighboring states, since they share in-state tuition, it may be worth going to CSU, trying to get all your classes crammed into two back-to-back days, which is totally feasible in grad school, and maybe um, commuting to Fort Collins for your school days and staying with a friend. Sure, it's annoying, but you could keep your house or your job or pay really inexpensive rent somewhere less in demand. And when you start looking at all of that, plus the fact that name and reputation aside, the business knowledge of an MBA is actually all aimed at making money become more money, the value of a CSU type school increases. So the lower the rank of the school, the more you need to heavily offset the cost of attendance. But I think the education gleaned from an MBA is valuable in almost all cases, save the super unethical, money-hungry online schools like University of Phoenix, where back in the early 2000s, I went for my undergrad. I still feel like all they did was bleed my GI Bill dry and leave me with a useless degree, as they did with a lot of veterans. But today, tons of great schools offer online degrees, and CSU is actually one of them. As for the tippy-top schools, I'd say that in almost all situations, the cost, opportunity, and all is almost always worth it. Remember this, though. If you take on $250,000 of debt to go to Wharton, and then you have a change of heart, and you want to hike in the mountains and write poetry with me, you're still going to need to pay back that quarter of a million. While this isn't a perfect example, this is the kind of this is a kind of golden handcuffs issue or of having a huge earning potential, but being handcuffed to high earning jobs, which at the end of the day come with their own opportunity cost. And finally, a few outliers that I've come across enough to mention here. Some of you may ask something like, well, David, I already make something like 300,000 a year. Will I have an even higher paying job after my MBA? And the answer to that is maybe. If you're going back to your current company and leapfrogging up a few levels on the pay scale, sure. But were that the case, I don't think you'd be asking me that question. So the answer is very likely no. You will not make that money or more than that after business school, not right away. But if you're using it to pivot careers, it could still be a good choice. Now, if you're like a VP in a venture capital firm and you want to move into tech and use an MBA as the vehicle to do so, you'll very likely not move into a VP role in tech right out of business school. A lateral move is unlikely, but it's not impossible. Next would be, David, I want to focus on entrepreneurship and start my own business. What's the ROI of a top tier MBA? That one is way harder to answer with any sort of quantifiable numbers. You're likely to go even further in debt, of course, as you start the business, but the name brand of your MBA could attract investors and high potential peers to help you out. And the knowledge gained from the class, of course, will be insanely beneficial. Also, schools like Booth have extremely well-funded programs that help start new businesses. Grubhub was started at Booth. So in terms of starting your own business, yeah, you'd be in a better spot after an MBA, especially a top tier one. But would it be that much better? than, you know, a CSU? I'd like to think so, but I don't know. And it certainly doesn't mean the CSU MBA isn't worth it at all. Also, remember this, if you're thinking that you can go into massive levels of debt and form a LLC, and if all else fails, declare bankruptcy and walk away clean, remember bankruptcy won't clear your student loans. Be very cautious here. Of course, the payoff is massive, so you do you. The third question is, I was offered a full ride to Ross, but Harvard also accepted me, but without any financial support. Or Harvard accepted me with no scholarship offer, and Columbia is giving me 50000 a year. Which do I choose? 
And that's probably going to need its own episode as this is already getting a bit lengthy, but we will have an episode on school fit and I'll discuss these previous questions in more detail. Here's a quick bit of advice I'm borrowing from my brother-in-law who is a Harvard business school MBA. Katie and I told them that Ross offered us a decent scholarship and Booth also offered us, but with no scholarship, this later changed. But even with Ross offering decent money and Booth offering none, our brother-in-law's reply verbatim was, there is no question, it's Booth. I'll leave you with that. I hope you're well. Let's talk soon.